0: 7.22 on a uh, Tuesday morning. Joining us now in our studios, Superintendent of
1: Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. Uh, Superintendent Hillman, thank you so much for coming in today. Good morning, Jeff. It's my pleasure to be here as always. We're just so grateful for the public service that KYMN provides by letting local leaders come on and talk about what's going on. In this case, in our schools. In this case, it is our schools. Uh, we have uh, before we get
0: into this. Uh, last night you had a school board meeting we did. before we uh, discuss some of that. I wanted to. I don't know if this was discussed at the uh, school board last night, but you have uh, some young uh, young students that have academically excelled and are being recognized for that. That's an exciting thing for the school. It's got to be real exciting for the kids and their family.
1: Yeah, we have uh, lots of kids who excel academically. In this case, uh, we had five high school seniors who were recognized by the college board uh, as part of the National Merit Program. And so uh, the first one we want to congratulate is a uh, senior Henry Virtus, uh, who was selected as a 2023 National Merit Scholarship semifinalist. And so this is he's in really rare company across the whole country Uh, There are only 16,000 national semifinalists. That represents about 1% of high school seniors in the United States. And so uh, Henry and the other semifinalists, they'll have an opportunity to continue uh, the competition uh, for 7,250 national merit scholarships. So a little less than half of those 16,000 kids will get the national merit finalist scholarship that total is around twenty million million uh, in scholarships that the College Board will uh, provide next spring. Uh, we also have uh, senior Hannah Hewlett, uh, who is named a commended student by the National Merit Scholarship Program, and again, for exceptional academic performance. And Hannah's among around 34,000 commended students from across the country, so she's in the top 5%. Um, of the one and a half million or one and a half million students uh, who entered the National Merit Program by taking uh, one of the qualifying tests, um, and then we also had three students who were awarded academic honors by the college board through a special program where they 're recognizing students who excel academically in uh, called the National Rural and Small Town award and uh, These three students um, were Amelia Rosenhammer, Margaret Muth, and Sophia Weed. And they were recognized because of their academic achievement uh, in school and outstanding performance on uh, a couple of uh, qualifying tests. So we want to congratulate these five students on being recognized for their academic achievement by the College Board. It's, it's, it's a big deal, Jeff, for these young people.
0: I'm sure it is. Well done. Congratulations to all of them. Let's move into last night's uh, meeting. Uh, you, like every... Local government governing body have a tax levy, and uh, you set uh, last night uh, September. You have to have that preliminary tax levy uh, in place and voted on. Now, we've just gone through that with uh, Northfield High School. Uh, what did the school? Or it's Northfield High School, Northfield City Council. What did uh, Northfield uh, uh, School District decide on for their uh, preliminary tax levy?
1: So, Jeff, this is, uh, It's as you said, it's preliminary tax levy time. It's important to remind our listeners that there are multiple taxing jurisdictions. So when they receive their preliminary taxes in the mail in November, they'll need to really make sure that they look at each of those taxing jurisdictions. And unlike uh, our friends at the city and the county, the school district preliminary levy is highly regulated. Like the rest of school finance in Minnesota, we've talked about this a number of times. In fact, I had a chance to join, uh, you know, Rich um, on uh, public policy this week to talk about how highly regulated Minnesota school finance is. So unlike uh, the levies at the city and the county, uh, the school board has very few levers that it can pull on its own with the preliminary levy. It's driven by enrollment. The vast majority of our local levy uh, is driven by enrollment. It's also driven by voter approved portions of the levy. Those would be things for bonds, and those would be things for operating levies, or like the capital projects levy that we'll talk about at the end of this segment. So, I just want to—I mean, we get a very small font document that's around eighty or so pages long. The last time I saw it, that goes through all the calculations for the school. So, um, this year, what we well, what we always do is we in September we uh, cert—we ask the board to certify the preliminary levy using the terminology, at the maximum. So the state sets the maximum uh, preliminary levy that we're allowed to do. And then, of course, as you know, in December, we can always levy less, but you can never levy more than the maximum. And as of uh, the time that the board approved it, the maximum for us at the state was a 5.63% levy increase. Now, we want to stop for a moment because that's the the increase of the amount of dollars that you'll receive from the levy. That is not how much people's tax school taxes would go up. And I want to share that there's there's actually we our projections actually show that people's housing home taxes would go down with this levy compared to last year uh, for a couple of reasons that I'll share in a minute. But basically, last year's certified levy was just a little over 20 million dollars. Next year, our certified levy will be just a little bit over $21 million. Again, as I said, it's highly regulated. One of the main reasons that we're seeing an increase in our levy this year and the amount of money that we'll receive from the levy is because of, believe it or not, inflation. Uh, Our operating levy, uh, voters passed in 2017, has an inflationary factor. The state calculates that inflationary factor. And so that was one of the largest drivers uh, in that increase. In fact, we're going to see a little bit more than $600,000 additional Uh, on our operating levy um, revenue as a result of that inflationary factor, largely a result of that inflationary factor. Um, Just to point out, as you know, uh, we're usually very steady-eddy on the levy because we work very hard to make sure that it's fairly predictable. So over the last five years, our average has been a 1.9% increase. And as you know, some years that's been up a percent, some years it's been down a percent. We, we don't get too, you know, uh, oh, you're down by 1% or you're up by, we, we try to call that about even. But this year, the overall levy will go up, uh, the preliminary levy at 5.63%. Again, that's about a million dollars more in revenue, largely driven by uh, the inflationary factor that is part of our operating levy. But the levy is different than what tax impact is. And I want to share a little bit about that tax impact. Um, so when we take a look at, um so we have ellers uh which is our financial firm takes a look at what would that impact be and so our tax base increased, Jeff, this year. And so when our tax base increases, that means it could be, we're, we're still learning from, we're going to be learning from Rice County. What's Why did our school district tax base increase? We know that some of that is because of home valuation has gone up. We know that there have been some projects, some housing projects uh, within the school district that also uh, help with that tax base. But in most cases, um, if a person's home stayed the exact same, their valuation stayed the exact same, which Jeff, you and I know that. That doesn't happen often. But for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to say if your home stayed exactly the same amount, your taxes in general would, the school taxes would actually go down this year because when the tax base increases, we spread that levy amount over a larger number of people or a larger number of of, uh, taxpayers and properties and over value. And so theoretically, everybody takes a little bit more of the share. So, you know, we've been talking about a $350,000 house, the tax impact with the upcoming capital projects levy vote. But based on this preliminary state tax levy that the board approved last night, people would see uh, in the home of $350,000, the projections that we receive from Ellers shows that their school taxes would go down by $164 in in, uh, 2023, again, based upon uh, the increase in that tax base. So It's it's A lot of times when you hear that a levy goes up, that also means that taxes are going to increase for your home. In this case, because the tax tax base increased over the last year, you're going to see people should see if their home stayed exactly the same they would see a little bit of a reduction.
0: Yeah, it's a big if, but it's still good to know, uh, good information. Um, do you see, now you had mentioned you you've worked hard to make these uh, increases or uh, decreases, whatever the case may be, uh, very predictable. So predicting what you're going to do, are you? do you see that five plus percentage? Is that a pretty hard number? Will it vary very much at all? It can't obviously go up, but uh, uh, given the inflation everything, is there in a way we get lower than that
1: so i think there's a lot of factors that could happen you know between now and the time that the board uh finalizes the levy in december as you say it it can't go above the maximum uh so whether that maximum goes i I, that really um i I don't see that happening there's not usually a tremendous change from the preliminary levy To the final levy in terms of the maximum that is allowed so from that perspective jeff i don't anticipate a a change between now and december but we also know that things are interesting right now in uh in a lot of places so my what history would tell us is that our final levy will be very similar uh, than to what the uh the preliminary levy that they adopted Mm -hmm. in september here is okay uh
0: superintendent of schools dr matt hillman is with us we have uh just did the uh sports report and coming up tonight just one uh raider team at home but it's a big night i want to talk about that as well uh the raider girls soccer team has really embraced lace for the cure a uh, charity uh, given to uh where the money is uh, raised and donated to uh uh cancer uh, yes. c- causes what a, what a great thing. They've really done a
1: wonderful job over the course of the last few years of bringing that about. Yeah, So I, I think that, you know, when we think about the activities that students do, they learn so much, right? We obviously think of the competition uh, when we're thinking about sports. We think about the competition, uh, you know, KYM and broadcasts, you know, so many games. Well, in partnership with Northfieldlive.com live dot com and shares that competition with the community. But we all know anybody who's participated in any activity, athletic or athletic. Uh, theater or any other student council, any other kind of activity that you've uh, participated in school or that you watch your kids or grandkids, the the other benefit of not just the competition and that healthy competition is that we learn a lot about a lot of life skills, right? So, uh, we learn about being a team, right? We learn that I can be an important part of the team, but not always be the star. I can learn to have grace in losing. I can learn to be a, uh, a reasonable and a gracious winner, right? And so I can learn all of those things. And then one of the things that a lot of our activities also learn is how do we contribute to the larger community? So that can take place with high school athletes running uh, clinics for younger kids just learning their sport. And it can also take place through Uh, community awareness and fundraising like the Lace for the Cure program. And so the Lace for the Cure program, as you and many of our listeners know, has been uh, a staple of our girls' soccer program for more than a decade. I clearly remember the meeting where it was pitched to us as one of our uh, high school athletes' parents had uh, been experiencing a, a, a bout with cancer and had passed away as a result. That was what the modus operandi was to get this up and going, and it's been happening for more than a decade now. And so it's a great opportunity for these girls to give something back to the community um, and to the larger community. So I encourage folks, if they can make it to the Lace to the Cure game tonight, there's, I know that they will be, uh, you know, some setup for people to be able to make some donations. If you can't make it to the game, you can also make donations on our school district website uh, through the um, RevTrack system. So you can certainly go to our website and uh, make a donation that way. And again, help these young people uh, do this meaningful work of helping raising awareness and, and dollars for cancer and cancer research.
0: Yeah, that is a wonderful job that they do and a great program. Let's um, move on. I also want to talk about the uh, capital uh, uh, improvement or capital projects levy that's coming up uh, in November that will be on the ballot. Was that uh, discussed uh, uh, further last night?
1: Right. So we we gave a brief update about the capital projects levy. And so we just want people to be aware of of that the levy, this capital projects levy, is on the ballot in November. As KYMN has been reporting early voting started last Friday. Uh, So we want to just make sure that as people go to the polls early, that they have the information that they need about the capital projects levy. So uh, first of all, you can go to northfieldschools.org forward slash CPL. We've talked about it on this program uh, a number of other times. Uh, We have a public meeting coming up on October 6th. We had our first one uh, last week. Every uh, resident within the district got received a postcard last week uh, with some uh, bulleted information and directing them to the website Later this week, they should receive another mailing from us that we're required to send with what's called the Notice of Special Election. It has a, a, a very brief levy guide with a, a letter from uh, Board of Education Chair Claudia Gonzalez-George and myself. Some other information, again, then directing you to the website, uh, uh, what the language on the ballot is. We also included the tax impact statement for this particular capital projects levy. But just to go back to remind our listeners, what are we asking for? So we're asking to renew the existing capital projects levy that was originally passed in 2011, and we're asking for an increase. The way that the capital projects levy is required to be put on the ballot is based upon a percentage of the district's tax base, simplifying it here. Uh, And in 2011, we did say to the voters that even with that tax rate uh, that we had on the ballot, that we would limit uh, the amount that we would levy to $750,000. If both questions pass this time, uh, it would generate $1.65 million for the school district. And this time we're, we're not saying that we're going to limit that taxing authority During the 10-year term of the uh, levy, we would levy it at the taxing authority that's allowed Uh, by the voters approving at the tax rate. Uh, That allows us, as the tax base grows, just like it just did now, it would allow us to have uh, access to some additional revenue. So if we're seeing a growth in the tax base, the school district gets a corresponding amount. It's not an inflationary factor, but we all know what things are doing for just repairing parking lots or buildings or things like that, just keeping uh, maintenance and upkeep. So that would allow us to have some additional funds to combat some of the inflation that we're seeing. And we're telling uh, voters that we're going to plan to use the uh, funds for really three main areas. First of all is the maintain the maintenance and the improvement of our buildings and grounds. So things like I just mentioned, uh, general upkeep to the facility, general preventative maintenance, you know, those kinds of things. The second area would be around uh, materials and supplies and equipment, uh, supplies and equipment uh, for students and staff. So you can think of things ranging from Uh, New uh, technology education equipment like the new panel sander and the Glowforge 3D laser printer that we put in our high school shops this year so that students have an opportunity to learn some of those skills if they're going to go directly into the workforce. Uh, Those things are not cheap. It allows us to uh, purchase uh, technology for staff and students. Uh, It also allows us to purchase materials, like we recently upgraded uh, science curriculum in the district, and so it funds those kinds of things. And then finally, there is a very narrow group. This is very prescriptive. You're, You're only allowed to use a capital projects levy for certain things, but you are able to use it for a small group of employees, and we do plan to use it to pay for the salary and benefits of some of our technology staff, the eligible technology staff, that would relieve about a half a million dollars from the general fund. Um, So it would allow us to move those salary and benefits from the general fund to the capital projects levy fund and that would allow us to reduce the amount of future budget reductions jeff so all of that is on the website we just want people to be aware of it again this is a renewal and an expansion there are two questions Uh, the first question would renew the existing capital projects levy uh, at the existing rate and then uh, a small modest increase both questions pass we would generate just under a million dollars more per year That $350,000 house would see an increase of $81 uh, if both questions pass.
0: All right, Superintendent Hillman, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming in. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks Um, for the time. uh, We'll talk to you again soon. Superintendent of Schools, uh, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to The One, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, 54 years old today. We'll have a uh, look at news in just a moment. Join us for this year's Sogan Valley Art Fair, always the first weekend in October in